At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This program is a proud member of Univoz. Unified, unique voices. Learn more at univozpods.net. Hey, what's up? It's Steve Rodriguez of Talk About Gay Sex. Happy summertime. Do me a favor and go to our website, tagspodcast.com, T-A-G-S podcast.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, get updates, see my blog, and check out pictures. So enjoy another episode of Talk About Gay Sex. And when you're done, go to our website, tagspodcast.com. Talk About Gay Sex podcast is a conversation with its hosts and special guests about gay sexuality meant to create an open forum that at times can enlighten, educate, and entertain. Guests who speak in this podcast, as well as its hosts, express their opinions, experiences, and conclusions and neither Talk About Gay Sex podcast nor any of its advertisers endorse or oppose any particular sexual practice, lifestyle choice, medical treatment, or activity for its listening audience. Listeners should check with their physicians and medical professionals to determine their own sexual practices and health that is right for them. What's going on? You are listening to Talk About Gay Sex. I'm your host, Steve Rodriguez, alongside my other co-host, Steve Carpenter. Hello, hello. How Trouble is here. Trouble is in the house <laughs> in New York City. Uh, did you have a good weekend? I did. I did. And you? I did. I did. Summer in the city. I saw Janet Jackson at the Panorama Music Festival. Wonderful. The boys were out. They were. Oh, well, they've been out and fairly naked, so yeah. which is good. They were it's warm that. in the city. They take their clothes off, and we like that. Yeah, they were either with us at Janet or they were at the Pines Party in Fire Island. Right, right, right. Which I did not go to, but... I did not either. I did not either. So Janet was more important. But we have (laughs) a very special guest who is in the house today. He is a sex researcher getting his PhD. His study is in prep. Pornography, STI, HIV prevention. Um, his name is Thomas Whitfield. Thomas, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I was actually at Panorama as well, but I was there on Sunday, not on Saturday. Oh, the Killers. Uh, yeah, the uh, the oh. XX and the Killers. Right. Cool. How was it? Uh, it was. I mean, I'm so I actually just googled it today. There's actually this thing called post concert uh, depression, mm-hmm. which is not like <laughs> it's not a real thing. It's like Urban Dictionary, um, but I actually went to. Like six, FOMO. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I went to six concerts in five days this last week. Wow. So I feel like today I actually kind of feel like I'm coming off of like ecstasy. However, I didn't do any drugs. <laughs> well, it, could, it would be like a drug, I guess, because when you do like I went to one concert, so I did a low dosage and mm-hmm. you, you like went the other extreme if, yeah. we're, if we're doing that litmus type test. Yeah. And it was um, I actually noticed it midweek because I went to a concert on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I took off and then went on Sunday um, and I noticed on probably Thursday that I kind of felt this low. Mm-hmm. And I think from being have, almost feeling like a high on Tuesday, then coming off of it, then a high on Wednesday, then coming off of it. And mm-hmm. I was like, what is going on with me? But I pushed through. I was like, I have tickets. I'm going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have the tickets. I'm going. Yes, I was going to talk about this later, but you had said on one of your videos, and we will talk about those, but you said, like, if you're in a breakup, mm-hmm. um, 
don't find the feeling of a time when you had happiness or joy Mm -hmm. and, and then going to a concert maybe by yourself brought joy but maybe you can have an overabundance of joy and yeah, it cancels I, each other out i don't know um yeah that's really funny because I, I that video i put up um a couple i guess a few weeks ago maybe a month ago and one of the things that i say is like one of the times that i feel the most happy the most happiness in my life is when i'm at a concert i feel mm-hmm. the most alive um and at all of these concerts i felt very mm-hmm. alive and then there there was just a little bit of a come down afterwards. Well, concerts can yeah. you, you can get very euphoric mm-hmm. at a concert, you know, especially with it with and the, the live music alone is is great. Mm-hmm. But you know, if it's somebody you really like and somebody well, and really, in my case, really I went enjoy. with our other co-host Jeremy, mm-hmm. and he was texting me yesterday videos from the show. He said, "I'm still beaming from yesterday." Mm-hmm. And then during the show, we were like grabbing each other because we were like not only happy to see Janet, our icon, but the fact that we were experiencing it together and that was like mm-hmm. another joyous moment. So we were happy right. about that. So yeah, I mean, there's great things that can come out of mm-hmm. um, concerts and then with your friends that make you happy. But I do want to get into, so, okay, you are a sex researcher getting your PhD with a focus on prep pornography, STI, HIV prevention, but you also have um, a column in get out magazine an advice column, Thomas talks and then you also have a YouTube channel, Shit They Won't Tell You in Sex Ed. Yes, I'm very busy. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm working on my dissertation and doing all of that, and I'm like just running back and forth oh my constantly. God. What school? Um, so I'm at the Graduate Center, which is part of CUNY. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's CUNY's school that is um, only graduate programs. Right. Okay. Cool. I guess one of our first questions would be to you is that You know, with all your research studying, getting your PhD, I know you're also a professor. Mm -hmm. Um, With your videos and the Thomas Talks advice column, are you trying to make some of your research more accessible to everyday um, gays or or just people in general? Yeah, absolutely. Because working in the research field, like it's definitely um, when you're writing a, a, um, a research study or putting out articles, they're definitely for other people that are also doing research. Right. So it's not necessarily for scholars. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not for the general public to read it, but there's a lot of really helpful information out there mm-hmm. that's just not super accessible. Um, so actually when I started teaching at Hunter, uh, psychology of human sexuality, I was really shocked to see what, like all the things that my students don't know, cause they mm-hmm. just didn't have sexual education. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, how can I make this more accessible for people in general so that you don't have to, you know, pay thousands of dollars and take a college class mm-hmm. to learn about stuff that you should kind you of already know, know about that, mm-hmm. you know, that's helpful for you to know about. But we don't learn much as kids. I mean, I was talking to another, um, doctor last week, uh, and he was saying that, you know, in, when he was going to school, when you had sex ed and education and we're both children of the eighties. So you can imagine how little there was to know pre AIDS, um, that, he felt, I felt the same way he did. In other words, when they started talking about the urethra and all these like things, I started to turn blue and I, like I was going to faint and I had to look out the window because I was just so like squeamish, Hmm. mainly because they made it very scientific and not relatable. Um, I mean, did you have a good, you Uh, know? No, I mean the, the sex ed that I had, I'm from Michigan, like the middle of Michigan, the sex ed that I had was awful. I don't think I don't even think I had sex ed after fifth grade. <laughs> yeah, and I'm surprised you had that. You had it at that point. So I mean, and even then, I, I remember us like watching videos with cartoon characters talking about like the anatomy, mm-hmm. right? Which right. is like there's more to sex than anatomy. Yeah. So yeah. And, and no one no one talks to you about any of it about what's going on. So even in teaching my college class, I try to make it as accessible as possible. So I open up every class with a music video that was um, banned either in like the 70s, 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, not so many banned currently. It's real tough to get something banned now. Um, but we'll go back and watch a video mm-hmm. from the 70s um, or 80s, like I Want to Break Free. Um, 
and talk about how that, why was this video banned? Mm -hmm. What was the big deal about this? What was going on at the time? What can we learn from this? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So I try to kind of get my class throughout the semester to look at sex that's going on around them all the time. They just don't even see or realize is there. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I actually did have a theology class in eighth grade, and our assignment was to bring in something like a pop culture phenomenon and somehow related to like religion. And I brought the, the 45 record of I Want Your Sex by George Michael and somehow fa- found that sex is beautiful and it's natural. And my theology teacher, she's like, you're right, Stephen, it is. And, and now this take is it like home. Re- religion class. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but maybe that's why I host the show talk about gay sex but yeah um i mean it sounds like you were kind of pushing the envelope a yes. little bit and she appreciated mm-hmm. that right right she was thank god she did yeah i mean i'm well, sure the majority of other people like brought in a cross and was like this is this is religious yes. <laughs> and yeah, you like probably. took it a step further to say like here's this other thing that i also think could be religious mm-hmm. right Right, exactly. Well, I mean, it's from, I know from my perspective in, in, in school, any discussion of sex was always male, female. So, mm, and mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't interested in that, so I'm not going to pay attention to that. <laughs> right. And there's nothing, I don't know that there is now, um, that talks about gay sex, you know, mm. from a sex education perspective, you know, other than maybe you or us. And, and maybe not always just warning you, like, you know, like if you go to Los Angeles now, there's these huge billboards all over, like, and I'm, they're probably effective, but like, gonorrhea, you know, new strain. And it's like on Sunset Boulevard or like, and you're like, oh my God, like, you know, freaking out. It's like, you know, billboards mm-hmm. like that. And I'm right. sure it's all good that we, you know, I see on certain TV commercials, like when we watch Pose, they have mm-hmm. prep commercials. Yes. Which is good. Yes. And, but they talk about it in a more positive way, I think. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. But we don't get a lot of examples. Always, no. Other than your almost, advice Almost column. none. Almost none. Right. Yeah. They're, you know? they're and and if, they're, if they are, they're extremely negative. You know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, 100%. I'm, um, I mean, I'm trying to bring sort of a more positive spin on a lot of it mm-hmm. that I do in terms of sex education stuff. But I mean, I think the majority of men that have sex with men that that are having sex and learning about sex are learning a lot of it from porn, which is why that's also an, an area that I research because mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that like, this is how a lot of gay people are learning about sex, what it's supposed to look like, how you're right. supposed to meet people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not reality to what mm-hmm. sex is actually like. What about your research um, on PrEP and sure. the, the education that um, you're looking into, what we're really seeing in the gay population, mm-hmm. um, maybe the usage, how it's meant to be used? Because I know that, um, you know, in general, it's meant to be during like maybe a season of what you would consider high risk sexual behavior. But what I see, or at least in my, what I see out there is people are like, you're not on prep. Like, why wouldn't you be? And I don't know that everyone's really thinking of it as a season more as just like, you should just be on it for life. And then maybe talk about the condom usage on how it's maybe we should be. But I mean, can you talk a little bit about both of those? Yeah. Um, So PrEP is a very broad, broad topic. Right. Um, And there are a million different aspects to PrEP. Uh, To begin with, one of the things that you're talking about is sort of um, risk compensation. So like, are people using PrEP instead of using condoms? Right. Um, Yeah. And we've talked a lot about it on the show. So if you, yeah, taking it from that aspect. And research is really back and forth with that. So there's research that shows that people, when they begin using PrEP, they use condoms less frequently. Right. But there's also research that shows that the people that are using PrEP were always inconsistent condom users. So they were inconsistent condom users before going on PrEP and then continue to be inconsistent condom mm-hmm. users while on PrEP. But this might be at least good that they're on a that medication. they're using something. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. And that's what our other friend Grant said, right. Um, right. who was on another episode. He's HIV prevention. Mm-hmm. He said sort of the same thing. It's better than not using. Yeah, absolutely. And then there are those people that start using using PrEP and their condom use goes down. And there's new research coming out that shows that those people that then when they stop using PrEP, they start using condoms again. 
Okay. Hmm. okay. Yeah, and you know, I think the majority of people that go on PrEP now know that it's only preventing against HIV, that it's mm-hmm. not preventing it against other STIs at all. Right. So I think um, a lot of people will stop using PrEP after they get an STI because they're like, oh, I'm not using condoms. I'm still getting an STI. It's not HIV, but because, like I still don't want to get STI. Because those so like are I'm, I'm going to go back and use condoms. Because those are on the rise, yes. Uh, STIs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, STIs are on the rise. So I think that, uh, you know, PrEP is recommended to be used um, as well as with condoms. Other, other safe sex methods, I believe, mm-hmm. is what the CDC actually says. Right. Um, is you're supposed to use PrEP with other safe sex methods. Mm-hmm. So there are people that are, you know, only using PrEP and there are people that are using both. And for a lot of people, going on PrEP can relieve a lot of anxiety that they have of potentially um, getting HIV. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it can be extremely useful for people that are in serodiscordant relationships. So where one person is HIV positive and one person is HIV negative, mm-hmm. it can allow that couple to actually become closer and be more intimate if they're able to have sex without condoms or have sex without having to worry about right. transmitting HIV all the time. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Um, so what do you talk to when you're talking to people on your advice column or in your YouTube channel? What do you recommend with PrEP? Just what you're saying? or are there certain things you're like relaying to people that are more relatable? Uh, so I, I try to shy away from telling people what I think they should do. So I was like a good psychologist. Yes. I mean, I, I, I try to point out like with sex that you're having any type of sex that you're having, there's going to be some inherent risk. So you have to decide what is the amount of risk that you're okay with. Right. So like oral sex, yeah, you could get, you know, you could get an STI in your throat. Is that something that you're okay with? The majority of people are like, yeah, whatever. Like probably not a big deal. I don't know many people who use condoms with oral sex. Exactly. exactly. Primarily because it tastes bad. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Great. Which is subconsciously saying I would be fine with getting an STD in my throat. Yeah. Right. Um, because I would rather, I mean, I, who the fuck wants to suck dick if it, there's a condom on it? Like I just, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> no. so I think that, I think that if I were going to give someone advice, I would say go on prep. If you have anxiety about the potential of getting HIV and if you are at risk for HIV, um, in terms of using condoms or not using condoms once you're on it, I'm kind of a big advocate for condom use in general. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I'm a big fan of condoms. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say that like they feel amazing all the time. Right. Um, but I also kind of think that after you come, like kind of don't think about the difference in the feeling. At least I haven't. After I've had an orgasm, I'm always like, oh, I'm glad I wore a condom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm always the same way too, but then you hear those guys out there that are condoms. Are, are they still around? Those antiques and yeah. those relics? I'm like, all right, maybe we don't need to get that yeah. crazy about it. Um, but yeah. And I notice a lot of the bars, Steve, you and I go to, they'll put them out mm-hmm. a lot and they're free. And I think that's cool. Lube's oh, yeah. free. And yeah. Yeah, so, I, I don't remember the name of the organization that puts them out, but I don't either. Um, Those gold ones, they even make them for you say on Thomas on one of your um, videos. There's literally a condom for every shaped penis out there, yeah, yeah. and now some of the free ones you see, mm-hmm. you'll see king size, mm-hmm. and they almost look like that other brand that everyone knows it's that gold brand. Right, right, right. Um, so you'll see those out there, which is kind of cool. Are they not that brand? I guess I just assumed they were. I don't know if I've ever looked closely. No, it's like, you know, um, like the Listerine and then the generic CVS version that looks almost Mm -hmm. identical. Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Okay. But, um, they're not. Yeah. I mean, we're very blessed to live in New York city where this stuff oh, is so yeah, accessible, absolutely. which is just not the reality for the majority of the country. No, I, that's understandable. Yes. So even going on prep, there are far fewer barriers to getting on prep in New York city than there are in other places mm-hmm. in the country. Um, for example, prep was just, I believe on May 15th ish, um, announced that it's now available for anyone as long as you weigh, I believe 77 pounds. Oh. So before it was that you had to be 18. Now you can be any age. You just mm-hmm. have to meet a weight requirement for the medication to be safe. Okay. But um, I'm good. Not, it's not, you still have to pay for it. You still have to pay for it. Yeah. And without, um, health insurance, it's like $1,200 a month. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it is like unbelievably expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't cover doctor's visits. So with prep, you have to go back every three months every to three get months. an HIV test. Right. Um, doctors are supposed to talk to you about your medication adherence. They're supposed to talk to you about if you have any STI symptoms. Um, and then every six months, you're supposed to actually get tested for STIs. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, going to a doctor quarterly, Plus if sure. you don't have insurance, like that's expensive paying for the testing. That's expensive paying for the medication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in New York, we're blessed with places like Cal and Lord where you can go in and you can get it for right. free. Right. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, Absolutely. that's not everywhere. No. Yeah. No, right. It's not. I think you were, when one of your columns, somebody wrote in that didn't live in a major city mm-hmm. like New York, but was younger and on mm-hmm. their parents' insurance. Yeah. So, so having where you have your insurance through too is also a big deal. So, I mean, you can be on your parents' insurance in, um, in the U S until you turn 26. Mm-hmm. So if you go on prep, your parents could know whether right. you're 18, 19, 20, 25. If you're mm-hmm. on their insurance, they could know. So there's also additional barriers to that. What if you're not out? Exactly. Like, you know, yeah. your parents are going to see this medication, Google it, and be like, oh, I guess my, my child is engaging in risk behavior. And then God knows what they're going to find if they Google, like, mm-hmm. prepping gay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Let's switch topics to something a little more fun um, okay. and talk about dick. Um, and I know you've done some, your advice column. One of People my favorite have, topics. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. the, the caffeine's kicking in over there. Oh, it Carpenter, has. Right? Yes. It has. The Red Bull. Thank you, Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the caffeine or the word dick? <laughs> well, both, yeah. Well, they, they both. Do you feel they, it? They both get my attention. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, one of your advice columns, and I can attest to it, uh, somebody wrote in to you saying they are certifiable uh, size queen. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and they I didn't ha- want to put your name on it. No, you know? no, no, no. <laughs> SQ, no. Um, yeah, and they are with a boyfriend that they're in love with, but the boyfriend has a small mm-hmm. penis. And um, what did you say and, and from the advice? And what, if you can remember, what would yeah. you say? So I'm, yeah, so I'm trying to remember. Um so, you know, dick size is really interesting, especially within the gay community. And there seems to be people that like, like that it really, really, really matters to. And then people mm-hmm. that it doesn't really matter. Well, yeah. To. I mean, didn't the gays come up with size queen? I mean, yes. I don't know that straights have like, a, a, you know, an acronym, right? No, just women will say, I liked, I like a big dick. Yeah. You know, so. well, you also say, and sorry to cut you off, but you also say that American culture, U.S. culture puts an emphasis on masculinity and power mm-hmm. associated with penis size. Like that's kind of an mm-hmm. American thing that what we're brought up with power, American capitalism. You yeah. Know. Everything's bigger. Everything's better. Every, yeah. You know, it's a sign of masculinity. Um, it's a sign of control. It's a sign of dominance of being able to take care of people. Sure. Um, I think that we put a lot of emphasis and focus on that. So when it comes specifically to like someone that's in a relationship, I mean, for some people that could be a deal breaker. Right. Like if your partner has a small dick and you just can't, can't deal with it, then I mean, break up with the person. Cause otherwise you're going to make that person's life miserable and make mm-hmm. them feel bad about like not being adequately endowed. And like, that's just shitty to do the, to mm-hmm. do to that person. Right. So, I mean, if you want to, so that's one option is leave the relationship. Cause you like what you like. I think is what you, like you also what you say. like. And you also like, you don't want to become bitter. You don't want to become angry. You don't want to take it out on the other person, mm-hmm. but also like, you know, if you actually love the person, then I think you're going to want to stay in the relationship. Right. So it could still be an issue, though, which means, you know, there's workarounds. Maybe you bring in, like, a special guest. Maybe you bring in someone that can, like, fit that need, that has the bigger dick that you want to play with. Or toys. Or, or toys, fists, absolutely. Or whatever. You know, just, if, if it's a size thing, then find a way to make it work. I mean, there's if you all- love this person, yeah. there are more things you can do, th- more than just fuck. Mm-hmm. You know? So, so there's that. And then there's also like, what does it say to you that they don't have a larger penis? Mm-hmm. Like, what are your thoughts about it? Are you looking at that person and thinking that they're not manly enough, that they're not good enough, that they're not going to be able to provide for you? Because mm-hmm. if those are the thoughts that you're having, then you need to challenge those thoughts mm-hmm. 
and say, is that true? Is that not true? So, I mean, there's one thing about like liking a big dick in your mouth. And then there's another thing about, oh, this person doesn't have a big dick. So it must mean that they're X, Y, and Z, or they can't fulfill me in all mm-hmm. of these other ways. So I think that it's important to notice the difference between those. I mean, I think it's great advice because in general, somebody isn't going to have every single quality or, you know, dick size that you want. There's always, and then... No such thing as the perfect man. Right. We had another guest on uh, Luca who, on his second date with his current husband of seven years, went through, at that time, all the fetishes they talked about that they both have and the things they like. They talked about kids wanting, not wanting, open relationship, not, and they kind of like laid it out on the table. But they are also aware seven years later that they're still communicating. And obviously they've grown, changed. They're, they're both into fetishes and not all their fetishes are the same. And so they acknowledge that. And, but in general, they have, you know, they come to the same page, which I think is really good. So I think what you also say is just examining, like, what's really important? Am I really in love with this guy or maybe not, and let me just have some more fun with Dick, and I'll get lucky again, mm-hmm. you know. And I also think that that's a very New York City problem. Really? Uh, d- to a certain degree, yeah. Michigan's because, not having that problem well, out because there. There's, right in Michigan. In New York City, you think about it when you're dating. There's always someone better around the corner. There's always a bigger Literally, dick around the on corner. The subway. There's mm-hmm. always someone with a bigger apartment around the corner. There's always someone yeah. who's making more money around the corner. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think that in New York, we can sometimes get lost in this idea that the perfect person is out there, mm-hmm. and they might just be at the Whole Foods downstairs. Yeah, right. Oh, so, yeah. Excuse me, I got to show you. Need some milk for that coffee? Yeah. Cornetche. Yeah. <laughs> so there could always just be, because there's just such an abundance of people that there could always be that perfect person mm-hmm. next, and there's just always another dick so is the important thing from your psychologically psychological studies is to remind ourselves of those things that that there are there is and are always something better out there and to process that um like how do we get over that i mean i think that that's a good sort of motto in general to kind of know about every aspect of your life is like there's always going to be more Mm -hmm. there's always going to be someone that has more money than you there's always going to be someone that has a better job than you. There's always going to be someone with a bigger dick than you or than your partner has. So Mm -hmm. I think that it's important that we do try to be satisfied with what's going on in front of us when it's there. Mm -hmm. Right. As opposed to like wanting other things all the time, because that's part of it as well. And I always just say, breathe and be in the moment (laughs) because it'll just keep you focused. Um, Mm -hmm. There is other things um, that you can do. Like there's a company out there that sells these sheaths kind of, they're like rubber that you put over your dick that make your dick obviously larger because you're putting that and then you can then enter a guy. You're also protecting it's almost like a condom, but it makes the like girl very fat, yeah. fat. Yeah. yeah. And it's so a, it's like a hollowed out dildo. Yeah. Right, pretty much. Yeah. Right. Which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. And then you talk about, um, a little bit that you don't necessarily recommend, but things like penis enlargement, surgery, fat injections, and silicon implants. I didn't think any of that really. I've never heard of that. No, I've heard of it, but you know, I, I've never heard of anyone who's had it done. Me either. So it's, um, so it's kind of one of those, you know. And it's scary, right? Like, yeah. Have you know anybody? Um, I actually don't know anyone that's had it done, um, but I know that it exists and that people do it. I'm guessing it's something that people probably don't talk about very frequently if they do have it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are always those random people online that you see that have injected God knows what oh, into right. their yeah. penises They're, or and, balls. Yeah, mm-hmm. that we've seen or. You well, saline can, injection, yeah, that's into your that's, balls. That's a whole like phenomenon. Mm-hmm. That, yes, it is. But yeah. that's that's yeah, it's saline and it goes away. Right. The Maybe this is more um, heterosexual men that might do some of this because this might not be a pro- this might not be appropriate. But a lot of like smaller guys I see that maybe in porn that have smaller penises look at least visually and this might be inappropriate they make good bottoms like from Mm -hmm. a visual standpoint Mm -hmm. so in terms of like our gay world sometimes there's this amazing role they play and then they're paired up with somebody that's bigger than them but maybe it's a heterosexual thing that would do some of these procedures 
You know, I'm not really sure on uh, the difference between like, sexuality when it comes. <laughs> I know, right? In, uh, sexuality when it comes to people that have actually had the the surgical parts of it done. Right. I mean, they're very invasive, and I do, I just don't I don't know. It's it's expensive. It's invasive. The mm-hmm. results from what I've seen, um, at least online, are not great. Worth the the not worth the trauma. Trouble. Yeah. yeah, trouble and trauma. Yeah. yeah. And so, so yeah, so sometimes you just have to accept the, uh, the penis you were born with. Well, there's not a whole lot you can do to change it. Right. So I do know a guy in California who insists that he had his reduced. What? Yeah. I I, I don't believe him, but he's just bragging. (laughs) I don't believe him, but I don't even know if that's a thing. I don't, I don't know how that would work. Like it was too long or too fat or long. Yeah. Hmm. So he insists he had it reduced. And can they do that? Probably. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. So, interesting. But yeah, yeah, just bragging. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're just bragging. Um, we did have somebody write in um, before that was asking about the fetish, fetishizing uh, circumcision. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Kern because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And how sometimes uncut guys are fetishized. Um, In your research, have you ever or talked to clients that, you know, cut, uncut? um, I mean, I don't know, Carpenter, do you care or do you ever think? Mm, I don't. No, I don't really care. But I mean, I I was probably, you know, 15 years old, not 15 years old. I was probably, you know. 10 or 12 before I, I saw an uncut penis and I thought something was wrong with it. You know, <laughs> right, right. You know, I mean, I grew up in the Midwest as well. And it's just like, you just don't, you, you don't see that, you know? So you were You're like just, freaked out, like what's going on? With I, that? I mean, I grew up in lily white suburbia. So it's just like, you know, yeah. So and I was like, Oh my God, you know? And there, and throughout the years I've heard people, you know, when I was really younger, um, people would say, Oh, uncut penises, they're dirtier because they don't clean them out enough. And then others that later, like, loved only, they'll ask me, I'm Latino, and like, are you cut or, and I'm like, I'm cut, Catholic. Oh, like, they wanted me, no, really, they yeah. they expect all yeah. Latinos to be, mm-hmm. you know, uncut, and it's like, and they want that, and then when I tell them well, I'm not, I was born in America, sorry. <laughs> go to Europe. Or Latin America. <laughs> or Latin America, And yeah. yeah, and so any of your clients or people talk about that? Is that a thing? Um, so I think that the, uh, the men that I do therapy with, for the most part, have, um, they're sexually compulsive, or they would meet criteria for being sexually compulsive, um, and have a lot like of- sex addicts. Um, so I don't, yes and no. I don't know. Um, Addict is a strong word. Yeah, okay. and, and that's research-wise, that's a little bit out the door on if that actually exists or doesn't exist. If you can actually be addicted to sex, so the way that we measure it. Oh, uh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You're positive. Yes, and all this stuff. Yeah. So the way that we measure it um, is kind of by the negative outcomes of someone's sexual behavior. So, like, are you masturbating so much that you lose your job? Are you having sex with other people and it's ruining your relationship? Are you, you know, how many negative things are coming mm-hmm. out of Affecting your sexual your behavior? Life. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So what do we need to do to change those negative things from happening? Because mm-hmm. we talk on other shows about chem sex and when people go in these binges and, you know, we had an author on the show that literally he lost his job and because he was just in these parties and then either 
didn't show up to work or showed up for work and was completely like a mess and people are losing their jobs over mm-hmm. this kind of thing. So I, you're right. I think if it's anything is affecting your life, then it's a problem. Right. So that's, so that's sort of how we measure it because it's not, it's technically not in the DSM, uh, the diagnostic statistical manual mm-hmm. for psychology. Um, so we just look at it as what are the negative outcomes? How can we change them? Um, so I work with a lot of men that are having a lot of sex with a lot of people. Um, and I don't know if any of them have ever mentioned uh, penis being circumcised or not as something that matters to <laughs> Getting them. back to that, yeah, yeah right. So, okay. so that, that's actually where I was going with it. Um, I do think that's absolutely a thing out there, um, but they generally don't bring it up as being something that yeah. they're that they're. And it maybe goes with. back to what you were saying before. You like what you like, and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've then the guys I've met, they get over it and we move on. It's not that big of a deal. Um, yes. So no, it shouldn't be that big of a deal, but you know, cause again, it's not something you can fix. Right. You know, right. Uh, you know, I would it actually is what it say, is. <laughs> I would actually say that with these guys that are having a ton of sex too, at least with this population that I'm working with specifically, not necessarily everyone that's having a lot of sex. Um, the majority of them are looking for something emotional and having sex with a lot of people sort of hoping that it's going to lead them to not feel lonely or feel sad. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. There's definitely a huge emotional component to it. Interesting. Well, it's really interesting too that you say that, and I wasn't planning on talking about this, but there was somebody that wrote in that he lives in Nebraska, and there's you know he's from another country and doesn't he's getting his PhD, um, and doesn't meet a lot of guys where he's going to school, and he was um, I think he had a road trip somewhere. And got on Grinder and met up with the guy, and he said it was a fairly pleasurable experience. And all they did was cuddle and kind of make out and hold each other. And he said it was really nice feeling another man's skin mm-hmm. and that embrace. Yeah. And it was hot. They didn't have you know traditional sex, but that's what they did. And he left that moment feeling um, satisfied. Cut to me the other day. I met you know this guy that I've seen out before, and I. In my mind, I had already like plagued him. He's always one of those guys that it's just going to be like, you know, wham, bam. Thank you, (laughs) ma'am. And actually, we hung out here for a while and we ended up doing almost the same thing that that guy did. He almost wanted the same thing, too. It was just really good to like embrace and hold another man and feel another man's skin. I mean... Is that speaking to what you're saying about that emotional connection? Yeah, I think it is. And I think a lot of people don't know how to get that Mm, without having sex or they will have sex and then, you know, the person will just get up and leave after and they won't have that experience. So then they want to call someone else and have that person come over and and sort of hoping that they get this experience that they're not getting and that they're probably not asking Mm -hmm. for. Right. So it's very interesting when you ask someone, like, how was the sex that you had? And they tell you. And they're like, well, I didn't, you know, they didn't eat my ass or they didn't come on my chest or they didn't, you know, whatever. They didn't kiss me with tongue. But what but, did they do? Well, well, not even that, but it's like, well, how did you let them know you wanted that? And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't. And I'm like, okay, so you're expecting someone to fulfill something for you without telling them what it is that you want. Good point. Yeah. So what are your chances of having that happen better next time? Mm-hmm. What can you do so that... You know, your chances go up of someone eating your ass or coming on your chest or, or doing whatever you want them to do. Mm-hmm. And that could even be cuddling. Right. Right? That could even be touching each other's skin. It doesn't have to be just sex. But I think that people, I think people are more apprehensive to ask for more intimate behaviors than they are just fucking. Right. It's scarier to tell someone I want to cuddle than it is I want you to fuck me. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I mean, I think in that, um, the person that wrote in, they just naturally found that moment, which mm-hmm. is body language, perhaps. Mm-hmm. In mine, I think we actually did say, we just want to like hold it. I'm like, yeah. And we were just in that moment mm-hmm. of that, and it worked. Um, it's like dating before you're having sex with people. When right. you're like yeah. just starting to date, and you're like, like it's kind of fun being afraid to like touch someone's hand. Like, should I touch their shoulder? Should I touch their leg at the movies? Mm-hmm. Should I like that's fun? And we kind of forget to do that as adults, and it becomes like I want to get to the part where I'm fucking you when I come. Right. That's why sometimes mm-hmm. I don't know if you would agree, Carpenter, but when you go to sex parties, it's like 
it's fine. Maybe you find somebody, you have sex, but then now what? Then you're going to go to the next partner. I mean, it's just, to me, it's sort of jumping yeah. around from partner to partner, you know. But it, it deep, but you don't go to a sex club to, you know, to find romance. <laughs> no, you know? that's true. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Oh, but I think that's You go why to a sex club to have sex, you know. Yeah, right. I think the, the full-on sex club parties, like, are the ones that maybe I don't like as much, like, I like a little bit of that mm-hmm. mixed in with, you know, talking and meeting people and then going back right. to that, you know, yeah. but sometimes those are full on. So yes. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. So I think, yeah. Do you get a lot of people with that whole emotional connection thing? Yeah. Trying to, yeah. yeah. But it, they usually don't put it together right away. Okay. Hmm. It usually takes a few sessions of talking to them to where you can kind of, you have enough puzzle pieces to say, look, you told me X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. When we put these things together, yeah. What do you see? Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, oh, I'm really looking for someone that wants to ask me how my day was. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So you just kind of redirect and their focus, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of therapy is a lot of listening to what people say and mm-hmm. filing it away and then sort of, you know, bringing the receipts out later mm-hmm. and yeah. being like, you told me this. Mm-hmm. How can this also be true? Right. Yeah. And they're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So let's talk a little bit about sure. pornography and are we watching too much? Um, what's too much? And but then the other thing is, uh, I wanted to ask you was we had a guy on the show who um, there's a phenomenon called popper training. Are you? I, I yeah. listened to this. I oh, had okay. no idea this was a thing, and I was like, "You're supposed to sniff in for 12 seconds and hold it for 15." What? I know. And if you listen to, I mean, I, you know, and it is somebody. Um, people have told me since then, "Oh, I love that. I'm glad you did the show and so forth." I was very careful on the show to just, you know, maybe make people aware that poppers are not a regulated substance. As a listener, I really appreciate it. Okay, you, you yeah, said I it multiple times and I really appreciate it because sometimes I listen to stuff and like, yeah, mm-hmm. like poppers are fun, but it's also important to know like there are some negative things that sure. could happen mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Sure. And I'm always very aware when I hear people talking mm-hmm. about things like that. Yeah. So yeah. I like, I really appreciate it. Oh, you good. Said I'm glad. Yeah. Cause we, you know, we do not want to have people die on us. No, 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 no. Um, but yeah, but what's, um, is there too much pornography that we can watch or is it when, like you said before, it starts to bleed into our other, our lives? So I always like to preface before I say anything about pornography that I'm not anti-pornography. I don't yeah. think that pornography is something that should be outlawed. I mm-hmm. don't like have anything against uh, people that do pornography, actors, producers, directors. Like I love porn. Um, I watch porn. Watch it this morning, maybe. Maybe it was last <laughs> night. Um, but I just want to like before I say anything about it, I always try to put that out there. Yeah. Because um, is research wise there are just some negative things that come out of watching too much pornography but when i say too much i'm also talking about it in terms of like what are you taking away from it mm-hmm. so what's too much for one person may not be enough for someone else or vice versa right. so there is no x amount that's like if you watch it for more than 30 minutes a day you are never going to be satisfied sexually like like that research just doesn't exist so again it's this type of like what are the negative outcomes of how much mm-hmm. pornography are you, you're watching so are you watching so much that you lose your job that you can't be in a relationship that you can't have sex with people that mm-hmm. you can't um, come unless you're watching porn like those are things that could be issues depending mm-hmm. on what you want to do um, so I think for I think the biggest thing with porn is that a lot of porn is violent um, and a lot of porn does not talk about how you discuss what you're going to do sexually. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of talk about agreement. So I think that if we have a poor sex education system, which I think is actually the thing to blame Mm -hmm. when it comes to porn, if you're going to point the finger at anyone, it's Mm -hmm. the sex education system. Right. Um, Because porn is entertainment. Porn is not education. You shouldn't be watching porn to learn how to have sex. True. Right. You shouldn't, but people do. Right. So people do, especially gay men, because as you were saying, Mm -hmm. where else are you going to learn about gay sex? No No one is telling you how to have gay sex. So you, you know, you order pizza, hope the guy shows up and you fuck him without a condom because 
because that's what they do in porn. Like that, you know, like you, you have that idea that that's what it's supposed to be. Like, like, Oh, you're just supposed to be able to shove your dick in, you know, like, no, there's preparation, there's lube there. You know, there's a lot of steps that go into Mm -hmm. having anal sex, which you don't see. It is called acting there. There's cameras, there's lighting, there's, you know, and, but when you're just given this singular source as this is what sex is supposed to be, that's what you think sex is supposed to be. It's almost like if the only form of conflict resolution that you ever learned about was what you saw in Die Hard, mm-hmm. you would go around beating the shit out of people <laughs> every time they like looked at yes. you wrong. Mm-hmm. So like, right. if porn is the only way that you're learning about sex, you're going to think that that's what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So that's where, that's where my issue with porn comes up. It's not porn, but with that people don't have another form of education to learn about sex. Yes. Right. So specifically in- with gay men, it's like, what is it supposed to look like? And also what are we supposed to look like as gay men? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. On the positive note though, um, sometimes porn and I notice porn these days, there's, uh, all sorts of fetishes that are out there that people can learn, like not maybe learn, but see that might awaken their fetishes. Um, for example, the popper training, there, our, Luca was talking about an example where they'll talk to you on these popper training videos and they might talk to you like, um, you know, take off all your clothes, almost like that dominant kind of, right. oh, you're a dirty whore in the confines of, you know, mm-hmm. that video. And to bring back to what you may or may not be getting in your relationship, you can maybe get some of this maybe fulfill it through a porn moment because one person may not always be able to fulfill every fantasy. And then other things like fetishes I talk about, like you might have a fetish that your boyfriend's not into, but you can at least kind of see it and experience it in a porn video, like guys Mm -hmm. that are into feet. There's all these Mm -hmm. feet videos, but maybe your boyfriend or you're, you're too scared to try that, but at least you can kind of experiment through porn yes yeah there are a ton of positive things about watching porn as well so there are numerous studies that have been out about how people feel like they've learned a lot about what they like sexually and about sex and how to have sex and people have discovered like oh i i knew that i was gay because i watched gay porn for the first time and i was like finally something that turns me on right you know so there are a ton of positive aspects yeah you didn't know you maybe thought was a a Mm -hmm. and then you see it acted out or wrestling videos Mm -hmm. maybe you have a thing for that Mm -hmm. you're not necessarily going to go wrestle but it fulfills that fantasy of seeing it maybe yeah i have i have no desire to actually be in an orgy but i love watching orgy porn okay yeah. <laughs> but i have i have no desire to be in one yeah 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 uh, i mean i've had i've had a couple threesomes and i'm like there's just too much going on so like the yeah, idea of being in an orgy like, too many actors. too many appendages like i don't know what i don't know what's going on yeah so, I'm, not a, I'm with you i'm not like the biggest yeah. i'm kind of one on one but yeah so i mean there's tons of stuff that i'll like watch porn and jerk off to that i'm like okay i don't actually want to right. do that so it can be a great way to like kind of immerse yourself into that fantasy as well, well. There, there's the there's the you know perspective of wanting to do that and then there's the perspective of wanting to watch that right so yeah you know i don't think i'd even want to watch one though like in real life like i like a threesome or an orgy like right. i think i'd like i'd rather watch it on a screen than watching well, no, 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 it no, watching life. it from a spectator perspective right. i don't mean necessarily watching it live oh but, like a voyeur oh, yeah well yes and no yes and no because there's plenty of voyeurs out there that want to just watch right. and i think i forget the term but they'll even with your boyfriend you'll put them in situations maybe where you watch your boyfriend get oh, like cuckolding Cuck, yeah cuckolding which yeah. what is that is that the whole idea that yeah that's kind of people like getting off on watching their partner have sex with someone else and even humiliated what's right? it called cuckolding c-u-c-k-l-o haven't heard the term c-u-c-k-o-l-d cuckold yeah there's Spell a lot of again. porn where it's like a husband and wife, like heterosexual couple, right. and the wife is getting fucked by some other guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's supposed to, for a lot of men, it can lead them to feel like hum- humiliated or jealous, which is like a big release. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and so then I like that feeling. the guy fucking the wife, um, they even want them to like say, yeah, like even put them like tied up watching and, and saying, yeah, you wish you could satisfy your Mm -hmm. wife. Like I am and humiliate the guy, but Mm -hmm. the guy wanted this. Right. 
in the first place. Like he almost wants to be humiliated. I don't know that I understand the psychology necessarily, but it's a whole thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, Thomas? Um, I have, I actually haven't done any reading on it. Yeah. Humiliation is a whole thing that parts of me get it. And then whenever I've been in that moment, I'm like, okay, like, I don't want that much. Like, can Mm -hmm. we go back to, okay, enough. Yeah. Enough. (laughs) Yeah. No, really. Like I I don't like that. But (laughs) the problem is I feel when you meet with some of these guys or whatever, like they go from zero to 100 and Mm -hmm. I wanted to like, you know, 25 and percent and yeah. 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 So it's on or nothing or all or nothing. And so, yeah, but interesting right all these phenomenons yeah i do i do think it's very interesting and i kind of enjoy watching that type of porn okay yeah but i never i don't ever really envision myself as being any of the people mm-hmm. like when i watch porn i never think of myself as being in that situation so when i'm thinking of it in the in the context of cuckolding i'm not sure who i would even be right yeah the husband the wife or the special guest mm-hmm. i don't know that i really like it i mean i have a friend that um he has clients and he once had me sit in with one of his clients at this club and it was like there's this amazing club here in new york i'll tell you offline later but there's all these <laughs> of course I think, don't share it with anybody no. else <laughs> i mean i think well no, i know what you're talking about i think they film like csi because I recognize some of these rooms and there's these different like rooms, like one's like a bourgeois with like clothes. And, and so these dominatrix will have their clients, like the man wants to be dressed up as a woman and be humiliated. And then there's another, like um, I went into the dungeon room and my friend said, Oh, you can sit in. Well, my client who was British who flew in, wanted to have this session and he was blindfolded and my friend was basically humiliating him, you know, flogging him and all this kind of stuff, but verbally abusing. And I said, I'm like, are you sure it's okay that I'm in the room here? And he's like, he's my client. He's the sub. Yeah. But I was really uncomfortable. I mean, I was fascinated, but I was also really uncomfortable, like watching this whole experience. Cause I don't know that that's my thing, but it was extremely fascinating um, but you say, Thomas, you like to watch some of these? Uh, I mean, like, I will watch that specific type of porn every now and then. Yeah. Um, yeah. You won't try it? <laughs> uh, I don't. I think I'm too jealous. Got it. In re- in, like, in real life, <laughs> yeah. I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm too jealous. Uh, and I think I know that about myself well enough to think that it would probably not go well. Okay, so some fun questions as yeah. a... As a um, professor and teaching classes, you're very good looking. Do you ever like see your students and do they have crushes on you or do you, you yeah. and you're teaching sex ed. <laughs> I mean, how do you do? And you might even think they're cute too, but is that like hard to navigate or it would be hard for me. I would be like the worst teacher. <laughs> I mean, I would be giving extra credit all the time. Yes. Yeah, I don't want to go there, but yeah. Um, so the, you laugh. Uh, <laughs> The the first time, uh, the first time that it happened, I was like, I didn't know how to handle it. I was in my office. Someone came in. Um, it was it was a female came in. Um, Sounds like a porn movie. And <laughs> and uh, and she was like, Oh, I just want to look at my exam. So I like showed her her exam, talked to her about what questions uh, questions she had got incorrectly. Um, and then she was like, Okay, thank you. Left. And then she came back and she was like. Um, so some of my friends and I are like going to happy hour and I thought like maybe you would want to like get a drink sometime. Oh my God. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm actually not allowed to hang out with students, but mm-hmm. you know, I think that's, you know, but thank Pull you. Like that's card. really nice. Yeah. Right. Um, and she's like, okay, well, I mean, like, I know you can't now, but maybe like when the semester's over and oh I was like, God. and I'm gay. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, you totally crushed her there. And, and she was like, oh, you are. Yeah, okay. And um, I kind of didn't know how to respond to it at the time. Right. And I was kind of in this place where I'm all about like women feeling empowered. And I loved that she was approaching a guy. Mm-hmm. That yeah. she was like going out on a Actually, limb to yes. approach a guy. And yeah. I wanted to like be supportive of that. And I really didn't want her to feel rejected. So I chose to out myself. Right. Um, I mean, I'm openly gay. I don't make it a part of my um, of my teaching. Just right. because I, need I, to be. I don't think it needs to be. Doesn't need um, to be. 
So I, uh, so I decided to out myself in that situation. However, since then, when something similar to that has happened, I've just been like, that's unprofessional and no. Right. Because that is actually the correct answer. Like it my is. sexuality yeah. shouldn't matter and you shouldn't be hitting on your professor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like good. I understand why people do it. Like I get it. I've had crushes on professors, like mm-hmm. but it's inappropriate. Yeah. Um so now I just kind of toe that line instead of outing myself. But mm-hmm. I was very much like, <laughs> I want her to feel good about talking to guys and asking them out because mm-hmm. I want women yeah. to, you know, to feel comfortable approaching men. I mean in high school, I mean I think I told the story on the show before, but in high school in the eighties, I had my math professor, um, you know, I would come in every day. I was with my best friend, girlfriend. Um, and he would always be Mr. Rodriguez, another great sweater you're wearing. He always complimented me on my fashion, which I was, of course, even back then I was like, (laughs) yes. And, And it was always like a wink. And he was also the, uh, swimming, coach and so they would do like whenever we had homecoming um skits and stuff occasionally he would be out there and he was like in board shorts and no shirt and he had a great body and he was actually very attractive Mm -hmm. blue eyes and all and whatever um and years later i think i ran into him when i was in college and we ended up going on what was kind of a date and um made out a little bit and it that's all that ever Mm -hmm. happened but but I think that was maybe appropriate oh, because that took a twist I wasn't expecting. We did. I know. <laughs> Interesting. He turned out to be gay, and and so all those winks and compliments they weren't for my fashion, <laughs> which I well they probably were for your fashion. Thank you, Carpenter. On your body, okay. On my body. Oh, yeah, right. Um, the, but yeah, the, that was probably appropriate because it was I was now in college. Yes, yeah, you were no longer in that. He was no longer at that position. high school, and yeah. When I was a teacher's assistant, so before I had my own classroom, um, there was this one student in one of the, in like a class of 200 that I was just like, he is very attractive. Um, clearly heterosexual, but I was mm-hmm. like, he is, he is very attractive. He so, got your eye, yeah. Yeah, I was like. <laughs> you called on him a lot. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I basically, when I was the teacher's assistant, I did nothing. I, like, I made copies of exams. I was at the classes, but like I had no responsibility. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to administer the exams one day because she was out of town. So I like, I come in, I pass out the exams, I pass out the scantrons, whatever. He comes up with a question, and I just got flustered and just, like, told him the answer. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I was just like, it's C. <laughs> like, uh, I, like, I, like, got, like, I got I flustered. Right I, like, just put C I, like, couldn't respond. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> you could say C, and that was good enough. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? You might, you might agree with this. As, yes. as a Teachers professor are in my human own class. Too. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, Thomas might agree with this. Thoughts are thoughts. It's what we do with those thoughts. The exactly. Actions that we take based on those thoughts that can either lead to, you know, trouble or, yeah. But right. I don't think there's anything wrong with anything that comes into our mind. It's what we do after that. Um, lastly, I, you know, studying all this sexology, you know, teaching your advice column. Is anyone intimidated to go out with you knowing like what you do? And do you ever find that like, oh, I'm you're surrounded by this so much that. Um, so I have been in a long-term relationship for the last like four and a half years. Shucks. He's um, taken. So, <laughs> so since I, everybody out there. <laughs> so since I've been, um, more engaged in all of this, Got I've it. been in a relationship the entire time. Um, so he's probably, or this person's probably like, yeah, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> um, no, he still wants to hear about it. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Good. like he, he watches my videos and reads my columns. I'm like, he's, he's actually extremely supportive. Oh, he's nice. a very supportive, sweet um, person. Uh, yeah, so I haven't experienced that yet. Um, however, I imagine that if I were single, that that could potentially either be exciting or intimidating for some people. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what has your experience been with having this podcast and, and dating? Um, you know, some people are like, repeat stories that I told on the show and I'm like, Oh my God, did I really say that? And (laughs) I get that too. So you're right. I said that really? I said that. So sometimes that happens a little bit. Um, yeah, Mm. I mean, it can be a little interesting and, but I'm fine with it. I find it's always good to be an open book. Yeah. And you know, it's forcing me to be a little bit more open and honest with 
all of everything. So. Well, you know, when, as, as you know from doing your videos and, and, and from being a teacher in front of a classroom, I mean, what, you know, it's, you, you become a figure, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people see you as that and, and may fantasize about that or whatever, but it's just, you know, and you just deal with that. Right. You just deal with that. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm good with it. It's been positive. Good. Good. (laughs) So, um, well, okay. This has been excellent. I'd love to have you back on the show, wouldn't we? And how can, there's so many ways to follow you. Um, What would be the best way? So, um, so to watch uh, Shit They Won't Tell You in Sex Ed, it's every two weeks. They're all five minutes or less. They're videos on YouTube. Well produced, (laughs) Um, by the way. Thank you. It's a lot of work. I write, direct, edit, film them all myself. I'm a one man show. They're awesome. It's Um, a lot of work uh it is it's fun though i love being creative and it's been a while since i've been able to be creative um so there's around like 12 13 episodes right now so every two weeks uh to access those you can actually go to sexedbythomas.com and that just leads you directly to the youtube page and then you can subscribe there and then you get like a little email alert every time a video um, comes up in terms of the advice column uh you can go to getoutmag.com and they're there every week um, after they've been out for a week, I then post them on my own website. Which I is, saw that, yeah. Yeah, which is thomastalksabout.com. So you can access the old advice columns there. And then if you have a question about sex, you can email me at thomastalksabout at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram, thomaswoodfield84. So T-H-O-M-A-S-W-H-I-T-F-I-E-L-D-8-4. And audience, I will put all of those on the website with links and so forth. Yes, yes, and, yes. And, but yes, awesome. Thomas, thanks so much for being on the show. And yeah, I hope thank you, you come so back. much for having me. This was great. It was awesome. wonderful. It was really fun. And wonderful. in the meantime, what are we doing? We're having hot, hot gay, gay sex. sex. Perfect.